0: Some new folks have come in, so at least turn around and just look and wave at some folks. Man, there's a lot of folks here today. Give yourselves a big hand. Thank you for being here today. What an awesome morning. What an awesome experience. There is power in the church being gathered together. Amen? Man, you know, when this whole thing started, our staff and our elders met together, and we set out on a plan to make ministry happen and do the best of what we could given our situation and i believe over the last 11 weeks we've done that god has been faithful the church you have been faithful you have not lost your faith in this time you have not lost the connection during this time and i've i've heard story after story of people who they got together through facetime through zoom through text whatever they kept getting together. They kept caring for one another. They kept praying for one another. And we have seen God move in some incredible ways even during this time. And I, I'm just reminded of the song that, that really became popular during this whole season, the Waymaker song. There's a line from the song that says, even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. And so he's been working all this time he has used even this time, because nothing can stop the power of God from bringing about what he has set out to accomplish. Amen? It's true. So I've been so proud of our staff. Uh, I've watched how Micah and the children's ministry have kept up the work. Micah and Todd Polarolo, great work. They've produced videos every week to stay up with the students, the children, to provide handouts for them and activities for them to keep their faith active and alive during this time. Been proud of Matt and the work that he's done in keeping up with students. Can you imagine every week? Yeah, big hand for Matt. Can you imagine every week having Zoom conferences with middle schoolers? Matt does that and it's been good. He's known how to do that and he's found a way to keep connecting high schoolers, middle schoolers, and even some graduates here in the area as well. And man, our worship team, Haven't they been a blessing during this time? Provide music for us and help during this time. I'm grateful for Jamie and her work. You've seen her make announcements every week and providing safety and hospitality for us this morning. If you'll notice, we are lined with a safety team this morning, keeping us safe here. Big hand for all of them. I'm especially grateful for our tech crew who has helped take the message and the music of Vertical online. What you don't see this morning is there's a crew inside still making that happen right now. We've got our cameras out here. Hello to everybody who's watching us online. We're glad you're here with us. Big hand to our tech crew, especially Hunter who has navigated this whole process for us. I'm so grateful. It is no easy task We've, we've gathered up here Originally, we were doing this live on Sunday mornings. You probably noticed there were some drops because every church in America was trying to do live services all of a sudden. We quickly figured out Saturday would be a better day. We come up here, we record, worship, lights, tech, all of that is here, sound, all of that. And we worked to put together what you got to experience on Sunday mornings. And you've seen experiences like us going down to Georgetown to see the message from an actual cave. That was an awesome experience. We have coupons here on the table today if you'd like to pick those up. The folks at Interspace Caverns were gracious enough to give us some discount coupons. So if you want to go to Interspace Caverns, pick those up on your way out today. Uh, we keep up with numbers, of course, how many people are watching online. That video uh, on Facebook has had almost 1,000 views And so that's exciting to see the God's Word still being broadcast during this time. We've averaged about 200 account views every week for our messages on YouTube. And I don't know where you're watching from or who you're watching with. When we first started, it was uh, just Heather and I in our home, but... By the time we got more toward the end of this time, our house became the breakfast Sunday morning hangout. So, you know, it was sausage and gravy and biscuits and pancakes and hash browns and all kind of stuff. And all of our kids and grandkids are there. So when I look on the numbers and I see YouTube and it says one account representing me, that represents about 15 people in my house. So when it says 200 views, I don't know what that number is out there. That gets big all of a sudden and that's exciting. We've met some people online. I talked to one gentleman in Eureka Springs, Tim. He's watching this morning, who happened to find our church because he was actually looking for another church, but he landed on vertical, and this has become his home church from Eureka Springs. He's a brand-new believer, and he says this has helped him grow in Christ. Hey, Tim, we're glad you're joining us this morning. It's awesome. Um, The Boys Ranch up in Montana Uh, Lauren and James and all the boys there, they're watching this morning. And this is their home church, even from the, the hills of Montana. We're grateful for them. And what a crew we've got to help make all of that happen. You know, we began this series with, or this time with a series we called Kingdoms Out of Caves. God has a purpose and a plan for every event in life. There is not an event that comes into our life that is an oops for God, or that is, uh, I didn't see that coming, or what am I going to do, or this throws off my plan, or this is going to change things. God has a purpose, and the coronavirus cannot stop what God has already established and will purpose to do. Amen? God always has a plan. And a pattern. When you know the pattern it can save you some grief in life. If you want to grow a plant you know part of the process is putting a seed in some soil. You've got to say goodbye to the seed for a while before it can become what it's meant to be. For a baby to grow he has to be produced in a womb. He has to enter a cave for a time. God always uses caves to bring life. It's where he brings kings from. It's where he brings kingdoms from. So I'm not disturbed by all that's happening in our world today. Because although we've had to shelter in place, God is at work even in the midst of the shelter. He's at work in the midst of the cave. It's been what he has always done with his people and his purposes. Jesus said that he had come to establish a kingdom. And so we have to know if he's going to establish a kingdom, it's going to have to come from a dark place. It's going to begin in a cave. It's just what God does. God gives a vision. God brings about a situation that makes it seem impossible. And he looks for those who will trust him. And then he works on their behalf. So when he gives a vision to Abraham and Sarah and says, you're going to be Abraham, the father of nations. And he says, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. I'm too old. Have you seen my wife? She's old too. And God said, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. Because what I say, I will do. And he will bring about his will even in impossible seeming situations. And he did. He called Sarah to give birth. When God called Moses to set a nation free, Moses thought, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, there's no way. How can I go and set my people free? And God said to him, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, I will do what I said I'm going to do. And God brought Moses through a time and called him to call his people out. He did the same for David. Before he made him a great king, and brought about a great kingdom, David had to run hide in some caves. But what I know is true from what I see in Scripture and what I've experienced in life. The darker the cave, the darker the light that's coming afterwards. The longer the experience in the cave, the greater the power that's going to come forth afterwards. The greater the cave, the greater the king. The greater the cave, the greater the kingdom. So, when Jesus comes and he gets to the end of his physical life on earth, he has to go through a time of darkness. He has to go through a time of rejection. He has to go through a time where he is misunderstood, where he is falsely accused, where he is arrested, where he is beaten, where he is crucified. And then he dies and is put into a literal cave, he's put into a tomb. In the side of a hillside, he enters into that cave. But like we've said, what God begins, God will complete. The darker the cave, the greater the king. And on the third day, Jesus walks out of that cave and establishes his kingdom. Amen? He did. Our message today is called The Unshakable Kingdom. We finish our series today with a verse from the book of Hebrews if you have your Bible or an app you can turn to Hebrews 12 verse 28 because Jesus did come to establish a kingdom he has a purpose for his kingdom when he wanted his disciples to have a bigger picture of what he was about he talked about the kingdom of heaven Jesus came to establish the church but he came to also establish something even larger the kingdom of heaven Hebrews 12, 28 is in the midst of a fabulous, fascinating chapter. One verse today, the writer says, Therefore, since we, as believers, are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, those who have received him by faith, you have been made part of an unshakable kingdom. And sometimes before you can know something is unshakable, it has to be shaken. Amen? Sometimes you have to go through some jostling, some shaking, before you can realize that what you've got is unshakable. You and I have been made part of a kingdom that is unshakable. What God has birthed in you is unshakable. What he has purposed for you is unshakable. You may be going through some shaking, but if you'll hold on to the one who birthed it in you, you'll find out that he is unshakable, and what he is doing in you is unshakable. Amen? So when Jesus talked about his kingdom, he told his disciples about it. And the disciples are kind of like you and I. Sometimes you hear something, but you totally don't get the point. Have you ever had that happen? Maybe you've had the reverse happen to you, where you're trying to explain something to someone, and they say, "Uh uh-huh. But you can tell it's really more of an "Uh uh-uh, because they don't have a clue about what you just said right? And you can tell because they walk off and do just the opposite of what you said do. Well, Jesus had a similar experience with the disciples because Jesus kept talking about how he had come to build and establish a kingdom. Jesus kept talking about that his kingdom was not of this world. Jesus talked about how great and expansive his kingdom was, how powerful his kingdom was. And all the disciples heard was political takeover, All the disciples heard was, hey, can we get a seat in your administration? All the disciples heard was, we're going to take over Jerusalem. And Jesus kept saying, no, you don't get it. I'm not talking about an earthly kingdom. And they would say, so when is this all going to go down, Jesus? No, I'm not talking about that kind of kingdom. In fact, to enter into this kingdom, you're going to have to come by faith. It's an upside-down kingdom. In this kingdom, the greatest ones are the ones who serve others. The greatest ones are the ones who humble themselves. And the disciples heard, so great, when are we going to take over? That's what happens. That's what happens sometimes. The disciples had it happen to them. Even when Jesus said, I didn't come to establish a land with more laws. I came to bring a kingdom that would change hearts. Jesus said, I didn't come to establish something temporary. I came to establish something eternal. Jesus said, I didn't come to establish something just here in Jerusalem. I came to establish something that would last in the hearts of those who believed in me. Jesus even said that there'd be a day when the kingdom that he establishes will swallow up every other kingdom that is on the earth, and he will be the King of all kings, and His kingdom will be greater than all kingdoms. No matter how much Jesus kept explaining it, the disciples kept missing it. And you know, we sit on the other side of it today and think, oh, "Them crazy disciples—they just missed it all. Those poor guys. We kind of pity them a little bit. You know, almost like maybe they were uneducated or something." But then quickly we realize, we. Do the same thing. Jesus says one thing to us and we interpret it as something else. And I just want to go ahead and get real, relevant, practical, and uncomfortable this morning. Because as disciples of Jesus Christ, even in this day, when Jesus talks about his kingdom and that there's only life in his kingdom. And that he's come to establish his kingdom. And we think that that's where and we know that that's where life is supposed to be in the kingdom. You and I, me, I still sometimes think government. I still sometimes think political. And I still sometimes think, man, if we could just get the politics right and the government's right in whatever definition you've got of that, you and I think if those things would just get right, then everything would be right. And this is where you and I get it just as wrong as the disciples. There is no government, there is no set of laws, there is no earthly ruler who can reign anywhere on this planet today and bring about the kind of change that needs to take place in this day. I don't care who your party is or who your person is. I have one and I have my own ideas. But I've got to bring that to the lordship of Christ and realize no government and no law can change what needs to change today. And what needs to change today are the hearts of people. And you can't create a law that changes the hearts of people. Amen? If you're a parent, you know this is true. Because you said every day before you go to bed, this room's going to be clean. You laid down the law. And you know what that did to your kids? It made them say, "Uh uh-uh. Because there's something in us that the minute you tell us not to do something, we want to do it. If, if you say, do this, I want to do that. If you say, don't do this, I want to go ahead and do it. That's what happens to law, and that's why government will never solve the struggles that we face today. As biggest proponent I am of putting people of faith in government, and building a society on the biblical principles founded for us in Scripture, I have to bring that to the kingdom and realize unless a heart is changed, nothing is going to change. Amen? You know, we live in a land today where we've all put God in a certain spot. We've put him at a place less than first place. We've moved him just off of center, enough where we can still interact with him and feel decent about our lives. For some folks, they fit him into a Sunday box, and they feel pretty good about their Sunday box God. They feel pretty good about their I'll pray at a meal box, God. But I don't want God to enter into my marriage relationship, my work relationships, my personal integrity, my time from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m., my time on the roadway or the highway. God, you just stay in your box, in your lane, and I'll keep in mind. And when we do that, we get a culture like we have today. We've got a culture today who values self-expression over righteousness. Amen? We've got a culture today that values science more than the sovereignty of God. We've got a culture today that looks to the laws of man more than the laws of God. We've got a culture today that has relegated faith down to a Sunday experience. And we've got a culture today that looks to the government to solve our issues instead of leaning into the kingdom of God for all of our answers. And as a result, we stand where we do today. We have a nation that's just boiling over. We have tension, anger. We've got more problems than we've got answers. Sin is rampant. Injustice is raging. Murder is happening on the streets. Murder is happening in the womb. Distrust and rebellion are celebrated. And this is what happens When we look to the kingdoms of man to solve our issues more than the kingdoms of God, the great need today is for our country. I'll just start there and I'll limit it to that. The same would apply for our world. What's needed today is for a revolution and revival of the heart until that changes in our land, until there is a brokenness for our sin, until there is an end to the arrogance, until there is an end to the self-justification, until there is an end to the self-exaltation, until there is an end to I want my way, I want my rights, leave me alone, give me what I deserve, until there's an end to that, until there's an awakening that we have sinned, until there's an awakening to the holiness of God, until there's an awakening to the glory of God, and until there's a submitting of every part of our life to God, there won't be a change in our land. It has to happen there. Hearts have to change. And I'm not just talking about people in downtown Dallas, downtown New York, or downtown Houston. I'm talking about even downtown O'Villa. we got to have our hearts changed in this day. When there's kingdoms at unrest, outwardly, it's an indication that there's kingdoms at unrest inwardly. And you and I, as people of faith, have been given the responsibility and the answer for that need. You know, when when the disciples heard Jesus talk about a new kingdom, and they all heard government, and they all heard today, and they all heard political power, and they all heard overthrow the government, what they were doing is they were buying into the same lie that a lot of people have today, that government would solve the problem therefore let's take over the government when they heard all of that they had a conversation with jesus that matthew 24 records if you have your bible turn to matthew 24 or your app it's a conversation the disciples have with jesus in verse 3 it says now as he sat on the mount of olives the disciples came to him privately saying tell us when will these things be And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus, we want to know about this new kingdom, this new government. We want to be a part of this thing. We want to sit in the administration. We want to see that we're in this deal. Verse 4, it says that Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars." Jesus said, let me get this straight, guys. And he says it to us today. There is going to be increasing tension. That is an indication of unrest inwardly. When the kingdoms of this world are failing, it's a picture of the kingdom being absent in the heart of people. That's what's missing. So when you don't see righteousness outwardly, it's because there is no righteousness inwardly. When you don't see love being demonstrated outwardly, it's because there's no love being demonstrated inwardly. When there's hatred outside, there's hatred inside. And this is what the gospel is for. The gospel has always been central to relationships. The gospel has always been central to change and transformation in a culture. It can't just be a sideline gig. It has to be the main gig. It has to be the thing. Laws only have an effect for a people that are righteous to begin with. And we can't put a law in place today that'll make people righteous, but we can share the gospel today that has the power to transform hearts and make laws then applicable to them. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? You see, Jesus went on in verse 6 and he told the disciples this, and this is relevant for us today. Jesus Jesus in the midst of saying, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Jesus says this, see that you are not troubled. Don't get all twisted off about this thing. When you see it happening, calm down. Relax. Do not be troubled. Jesus said, for all these things must come to pass. Note this. But the end is not yet. I know there's been a lot of questions. Is this the end? Is this about to be the end of all things? Are we about to see the return of Jesus and the destruction of the planet? From what I read in Scripture, and we need to address this in another message at another time, but from what I see in Scripture, all things have been established that prepare the way for Jesus to come and catch away his bride. But this today is not the time of God's wrath being poured out on this world. We have not seen a ruler rise in Israel and proclaim himself to be God. What Jesus would refer to as the abomination of desolation. We're not seeing that happen yet. Which tells me what Jesus' words say are true. This is not yet the end. Now Jesus goes on in the passage and he describes some of the things that are happening. And here's where Jesus says what's important for us today. Since this is not yet the end. Then in verse 14 Jesus says this. Therefore, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. So until the gospel has been presented to the nations, it is not yet the end. And if that's the truth, then who will do that? Whose responsibility is that? This is for you and I today. What needs to happen in our nation and what needs to happen around the world is for the gospel to be preached. What needs to happen is for hearts to be changed. Where there is anger and bitterness and jealousy and hatred, where there is guilt and anxiety and fear, there needs to have the message There needs to be the message of the gospel preached so that people can be free from their sin, so that they can know there is one who's come, who has taken their sin, who has opened a way to heaven, so that their heart can be changed. And if that doesn't happen, there is no transformation. So this time for us, our shelter-in-place time, our cave time, should be a wake-up call for us. This is our time to preach the gospel. This is our time to let the message be known. If there's ever a time that people should be ready for some good news, it's now. So this is the time that you and I ought to be saying to friends, hey, you want to come with me to church next Sunday? Yeah, it's going to be safe, and there's going to be something for your soul there because that's what you need is something for your soul. This is the time to have conversations with friends where you ask them, Hey, how are you doing? No, I mean really. How are you doing in your soul? How are you doing with God right now? You need to have those conversations because unless a transformation comes in hearts, there is no transformation coming in our nation. This is the time you and I have been called to share the gospel. This is the time you and I must take that gospel to the ends of the earth. This is the time that we wrap our priorities around that central message and nothing else. This is the time that we ought to be woken, woke, not like mm, liberal wokes, I'll say, but we need to be righteously woke so that we wrap our lives around what Jesus has called us to, that we... Exist for the purpose of the gospel and that above all things. If you have friendships today, God gave them to you so you could share the gospel. If you have a family today, it's so that your family could be a picture of the gospel. If you have a home today, it's so that that home can be a home base for the gospel. If God has given you talent today, it's so that you can share the gospel with it. If he's giving you a job today with income, it's so that that can be used to share the gospel. This is what it means when we wrap our lives around it. This is what it means when we have an unshakable confidence in an unshakable king, in an unshakable kingdom he's building. So when I look at what's going on today, when I listen to the news, which I try not to listen to much of, when I watch what's happening on social media, which, I believe me, I try to not see a whole lot of that either, I wanna get my news source from God and then interpret what's going on. Here's my interpretation of what's going on based on what Jesus has said. This is not the time to run and hide. This is not the time to pull away. This is not the time to turn against your neighbor. This is the time to be the church of Jesus Christ, confident in an unshakable kingdom, confident in an unshakable message, confident in an unshakable king, and boldly share that message. That's what this time is. Now, I saw where Franklin Graham, son of Billy Graham, has asked the nation to pray today. So I want to take some time to do just that. Our land needs some prayer. Amen? People have lost their minds. People have lost their hope. But we're only seeing the outward results of a people with an absent kingdom in their heart. They need Jesus and we have been called to take it to them. So let us be the ones today who will say, I will change my life for the sake of the gospel. I've been shook and I'm through shaking. I'm ready to get some purpose and some focus. I'm ready to get some new priorities I'm ready to lift him up and live him out. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we are broken today at what we see in our world. At the pain, the loss, the devastation, the rebellion, the confusion, the angst, the anger. And God, I'd ask you to forgive us as the church for pulling away, for hiding, for being ashamed, for being afraid. I thank you that you've given us an unshakable message with an unshakable kingdom with an unshakable king. And I pray for our nation today. I pray for our rulers. God, those who are in positions of leadership, our president, Congress, governors, city mayors, may today, may they have their eyes awakened to your glory as churches are praying right now at this time May there be something that changes in the hearts of leaders. May there be awareness of the need for repentance, for brokenness, for transformation. May they see your glory. May they cry out. May they repent. I pray for families across our land today who are struggling, who are without jobs, without hope, And without answers, I pray that right now your spirit would invade those places and open eyes to your glory, open eyes to your message, open eyes, and they would cry out to you as their Lord, as their Savior, that they might be born again. And that this week churches would be overrun with people who are seeking truth, who are seeking hope. I pray that for us in this area, in Ovilla, Red Oak, Middle Othian, Waxahachie, and beyond. I pray for a spirit of revival to break out. I pray for such an awareness of your presence that it transforms us, that sin would lose its appeal, that the things that we've trusted in would all fall away, that the things that we've gain a hunger for. We would lose our appetite for those, and all of a sudden there'd be an indescribable appetite for you, a searching for your heart, a longing for your holiness and your righteousness to be seen here, that there'd be a complete revival and transformation of our area. I pray for us as a church that the same excitement that you have brought here today, God, would continue would spill over to next Sunday and the next Sunday, would spill over into our homes, would spill over into our relationships, and that there would be nothing more important to us than glorifying you and bringing others into your kingdom. Father, we pray this with great need today, with desperation, knowing that it is completely impossible from our eyes and from our abilities. But we know that nothing is impossible for you, and you call us to trust. So in the same way that Abraham and Sarah trusted, we trust today. In the same way that Moses trusted, we trust today. In the same that our Lord Jesus trusted you when he went into a cave moment, we trust you today. And may that spill over and change us all. And may you bring something great out of this cave. May you bring your kingdom to bear. May you bring your kingdom to life. May the future forever be different because of the prayer offered up in this moment and the faith that's given in this moment and the fact that you are Lord of all. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Listen, this is our time. This is our moment. Our people here need to hear the message that Jesus is Lord. So I'd like to do something this morning as I close and right before the band sings. I want us, with all that we've got in us, to shout that Jesus is Lord. Amen? This is our time to shout it. Shout it loud. Shout it confident. Shout it with unshakable confidence that it is true. Amen? So... Would you stand with me so we can get all the gusto we can out of this? So that everybody hears us, so that they hear us three miles away. We're going to shout Jesus is Lord three times. And with each time we shout it, I want it to get louder. I want it to be more passionate and with all the faith that we can muster. Are you ready? Let's shout, Jesus is Lord. Here we go. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen.